welcome back guys happy new year um happy 2021 we made it 2020 was you know a year and now we got a new one with a new podcast app thank you for being patient and allowing us to have an unannounced winter break <laughs> but we're back and ready to rock and roll um i'm carolina in case anyone forgot i'm daniel I'm Javert. <laughs> we haven't announced it. It doesn't make sense yet. Um, but this is the feature-length podcast. We're going to talk about a movie for a feature length of time. And Dan's going to intro it in case you haven't guessed yet by actually Marco's name. Yeah, that, that joke will have a nice retroactive <laughs> effect afterwards. It's like a Christopher um, Nolan movie. It's backwards. You'll get it after. Exactly, yeah. Um, so as you can tell by the title... Uh, today we're going to be talking about Les Miserables, or I'll probably just refer to it as Les Mis from here on out, but um, Les Mis is the 2012 film directed by Tom Hooper, which is based on the novel from 1862, written by Victor Hugo, um, and also based on the musical theater adaptation that first released in the 80s, 1980s. Um, this is actually the first feature film adaptation of the material made specifically for the theatrical release, which I did not know originally, and that was pretty cool. Um, So just a real quick breakdown. In Napoleonic France in the 1800s, during the French Revolution, this story, while possessing an ensemble cast, particularly centers on the main protagonist, Jean Valjean, a newly released convict. After stealing food for a starving family and trying to escape prison, he ultimately serves 19 years as a prisoner, and upon finding new purpose and deciding to reinvent his morals, he comes across a dying woman, Fantin, whom he has wronged, and inherits the responsibility of raising her daughter, Cosette, all the while being pursued by French law led by the dutiful Javert. In a classist France, in the middle of revolution, Valjean must carry out his newfound mission. So, we... Well, I guess I decided that (laughs) it was time to do this episode because just sort of randomly, like for the first time since 2013, actually, I guess we should start by saying in 2013, all three of us were in the same high school French, grade 10 French class. That we were. And we had a field trip to the theaters to see this movie. I know Carolina and I both went, Marco, you didn't, right? I did not, no. You did not. Did you end up seeing the movie that year? Uh... I have only seen this movie once before, and it was actually with Carolina for some reason. Because I, <laughs> I think, think we, we went were on watching... a musical bender or something. Yeah, we were watching <laughs> oh, a bunch okay. of musicals, and we watched it. Um, I don't remember when that was. It was in high school, so sometime between 2013 and 2015 was okay. when we were doing it. Um, yeah, so anyway, since 2013, until late last year, I had not seen this movie at all since. And then randomly... I decided to rewatch it, and then also, like, I, I think I've rewatched it now, like, five times in the past two months, for some reason. Whoa. I think I might... <laughs> I, I think I love this movie. Um, <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. And I recently bought the Blu-ray, so I'm pretty sure I love this movie. Hey. Um, but yeah, I was like, okay, we have to do a podcast episode. We're gonna... I, like, we already planned to do... We originally planned to do, like, a, a, one musical-centered episode... And we will still do something like that in the future, but we decided Les Mis kind of deserves mm-hmm. its own episode for sure. So here we are. Um, I really just want to know like, what you guys, where you guys stand on this movie, because we haven't really talked about that at all since 
bringing up the idea for this episode. Carol, why don't you go? Why don't you go first? Okay, sure. Um, yeah, I saw this movie, I think, before we even saw it with the school. If I remember correctly, I saw it because it came out on Christmas or around Christmas in 2012. Um, and I was actually in Ottawa visiting my brother. And I think we went to see it as a family. Um, and I went to see it again with the French class because obviously I loved it. Um, I don't think I've encountered a musical I dislike. <laughs> um, even Cats, you know, I <laughs> will rewatch. Um, also directed by Tom Hoover. But we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Isn't that a hoot, man? How did that even happen? But anyway, yeah. But yeah, so I loved it. Um, I was a big fan girl. I, you know, loved the fact that everyone sang live. That's so rare in movie musicals. We even love Russell to see Crow? it. Yeah, I mean, in case you couldn't tell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I loved it. And also, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it. But in the research, I found that this movie wasn't as widely acclaimed as I thought I remembered it being. But yeah, anyway, I liked it. Not everyone did, apparently. I've seen it many a time since the year or two it came out, and then re recently watched it again for this episode. And I still love it. Nice. Um, so i just like to point out, I don't know why I wasn't on that French field trip, because like, any excuse to get out of school and see a movie sounds pretty fun. Um, I have a feeling I probably had like, concert band commitments yeah. or some bullshit like that. Like... <laughs> Just some classic Marco High School bullshit that I couldn't get out of. Um, I This movie's weird for me because <laughs> I cannot tell you something I dislike about this movie. Like, when I think about every aspect of this movie individually, I like all of it. Um, I like the direction. I like all the, the visuals are great. I like all the performances. And, you know, I mean, even Russell Crowe, whatever. Like, that's not that big a deal. Like, every musical movie has, like, someone who's a piece of shit at singing. Like, I can look over that. Um, I like the story. The story is still, like, interesting and relevant and has, like, fun... I don't know, fun is a bad word, but, like, engaging themes to touch upon. So, like, yeah, I, I love all these aspects of it, but I feel like every time I see it, within a week, I get, like, um, you know, like, in what's that thing men in black when they like wipe your mind with the thing or whatever like that's what happens to me after every time i see this movie where i'm like oh yeah that was good and i really liked all of it and then it just completely leaves me and i don't know why like it doesn't ever stick with me as like a wow i love this movie type thing but every time i see it i have a good time with it if that makes sense so i don't know i don't know how to explain that i don't know how to rectify that i could not tell you why despite all of the aspects of it being good i don't hold on to it the way I hold on to other musicals even other musicals that are shittier than, like objectively worse <laughs> than it but that like have a bigger place for me than this one so I don't know maybe we'll figure that out maybe I'll figure that out by <laughs> the end of this episode therapy session maybe this will be a therapy session I don't know what's blocking <laughs> yeah. me from like fully embracing this and having it be a part of my life <laughs> do you think it has anything to do with the fact that like there's two there's two kinds of musicals right there's musicals where there's actual regular dialogue and then they like break into song and then there's musicals like this where almost all of the dialogue also is sung and then there's also like musical numbers on top of that do you think that has anything to do with it no because i really love phantom of the opera and jesus christ superstar <laughs> and those are both like all singing all the time and Same also thing. like really weird um yeah. so yeah I, I don't know what i you know what like if i had to say anything 
and I'm sure this is mostly just going to be a love fest about all the stuff that we love about this movie because it is really great. The I think what's probably disconnecting me from having that experience that I have with other musicals is that I don't think most musicals I watch and enjoy I do for reasons of like good art. Do you know what I mean? Like I love Phantom of the Opera and I love Jesus Christ Superstar and I even like Mamma Mia, but I don't. I would never sit here and be like, those are incredibly made movies. I just have fun with them, and I have, like, nostalgia for them because I saw them as a kid. So it's more... I don't know. Like, this is probably the only musical that I've, like, gone back to that is actually, like, really well made. But because that's not generally what I watch musicals for, there's, like, a disconnect for me in for, like, really being able to embrace it, um, I think, is probably what's happening. So... Because, yeah, this, this movie is... is, like, historical... It's historical and it's very heavy. Yeah. <laughs> it's very heavy it and it's long, uh, which is probably the difference compared to the other ones I've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's but. about it's almost two hours and forty minutes. Yeah. I'm not sure how. I haven't seen any of the other musicals that we've mentioned on this episode, so They're I'm not sure how that. They're a lot shorter. <laughs> than that. Yeah, I think that might have something to do with it. Again, I think it's just like in the same way that I mean, look, we did an episode on School of Rock. Like School of Rock is like such a easy, engaging thing versus. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Pick another movie that's like really good, but like Schindler's List. Like, I would much rather watch School of Rock than Schindler's List, not because Schindler, Schindler, Schindler's List isn't really good. <laughs> yeah, but because it's just like heavy and like it's great, but it's like I don't have any des- like desire to continue to revisit it. And I guess this movie is is the musical equivalent of Schindler's List. <laughs> that's probably the best way I can put it. Like, it's great. It's I it's wish really that was great. A review. Marco in 2021. This movie is essentially the Schindler's List of musicals. Guys, yeah, we should have like that as a pull quote on our like whatever our logo for the video. Um, yeah, no, it, it's really great, but I, it's just not something that I have a desire to keep coming back to a lot. If that makes sense. So I got to be honest, that's a lot different. Like I was expecting, I was expecting that sort of opinion, but I thought it would be because of like all because of Russell Crowe. No, no. <laughs> No, I love... Listen, Russell Crowe is awful in this movie, but, like... Or I, I shouldn't say he's awful. I think he's trying. awful's he's, a strong word. He's really trying. I'll, I'll give him that. He is trying his best. Um, it's, it is funny, and it takes me out of the movie a little bit, but no, that has nothing to do with my opinion of it. <laughs> I have a hot take. I'd rather listen to Russell Crowe than Eddie Redmayne. Really? Yes. What? Why? I don't like his like, voice when he sings at all. I don't know why... There's, like, just a weird feeling I get when he sings, and I don't like it. It's a little bit Kermit the Frog. A little like. bit. And I feel like he, he he opens his mouth really big, and it's weird to watch yeah. him sing, too. It kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. At Can least Russell Crowe, like, reminds me of Pierce Brosnan and Mamma Mia. So, yes. you know, like, there's that kinship there. <laughs> yeah. memories, but I don't know. But that brings up a great point, too when you're talking about like how they look when they sing because as you mentioned <laughs> this was filmed where like the takes were live sung which mm-hmm. is like i think it's a huge benefit for this film because i i tried to like go back and imagine the whole film with 80 yard singing and that would look so corny for the subject yeah. matter i oh, think yeah. i agree with um, that and i need your guys help because again i have not seen those other musicals did they? What technique did they use for like Mamma Mia or Phantom of the Opera and stuff? Meryl Streep sang live in Mamma Mia, but everyone else just sang over or like mouthed words over a soundtrack. Yeah, the, really? I feel I, yeah. I remember listening to some podcast for something 
I don't know, I listen to lots of movie podcasts. But, like, generally, whenever there's, like, music or singing or something, they normally, like... Like, they, they will have someone performing on the day, but then they use ADR just as that way, to like, to keep it consistent with the edits or whatever. Because um, it's easier to cut it that way. Which makes sense, but to your point, Dan, like, I think for a movie that, again, like, this is a serious, heavy subject matter that's very much rooted in, like, the historical stuff. Um, it, I, not that the other, like, not that ADR singing stands out, per se, but I do think that there's, like, something gained by having this. Yeah, it basically, like, it really allows all of the acting to be in the moment. Like, it doesn't, they're not locked to a certain, um, like, uh, what's the musical term? Tempo? Yeah. They, they can fluctuate that as much as they want. Exactly. Where, when they feel it's necessary for the character. So, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of that musical technique. That got movies. shit on a lot when this movie came out. Like, to Carol's point, like, remembering it being more positive. Um, I remember it being positive within, like, let's say our circle or people yeah. in high school <laughs> or family, whatever. But, yeah, then once I started, like, getting in really into, like, film and film criticism, like, probably a few years after that, like, late high school, uh, I remember, like, going back and listening to, reading a lot of reviews of this movie, and people really shit on the, like, doing live recordings of the songs but personally like it's never bothered me whatsoever so i i don't know what people have such a big problem about with but that. like can you imagine fontine in like that scene where she's singing like i dream a dream and like lip syncing while she's supposed to be like guttural sobbing yeah, like it, it, exactly. you can't <laughs> yeah yeah i that, agree that yeah. scene is a perfect example i think yeah um, i also personally i think that's the best um well hers is the best performance in the movie in my opinion overall so I 100% agree, um, but I didn't know that the act, like, I knew this movie didn't get amazing reviews. I do remember that, but I didn't know that it was mainly due to the live singing performances. I thought it was like, uh, well, I, I mean, I really didn't know why. Yeah. Um, and, and it still kind of confuses me because I think this movie has, like, some great cinematography. Like, the look of it is, the production design is beautiful. Um, the performances singing aside well even singing included like most <laughs> except for russell crowe most <laughs> of the singing perform- performances are like amazing like i said anne hathaway did we mention that it's anne hathaway for people that don't know anyway fantine is played by anne hathaway her performance they have to know the, by dream now. Dream. did she win of an course, oscar yeah. for this she did win an oscar yeah, yeah, yeah i thought so i was looking that up as we were talking and i missed it <laughs> yeah she definitely deserved that oscar yeah um hugh jackman I mean, this is my first experience, like, hearing him sing, and he, I thought he did a fantastic job. And then Eddie Redmayne, I know, Carol, you said you weren't a fan, but I really like his singing. So, like, the performances were all around pretty great in this movie. Um, And, like, the sound design, like, all the aspects, I feel, came together really well, so I'm not quite sure why it didn't get like excellent ratings when it came out but yeah it's one of those things it's weird i i i I, like we've had this experience with other stuff before too i remember um before we went to see interstellar for the first time and like the general reaction around interstellar was like yeah it's fine and then we saw it and i was like what do you mean (laughs) like this is one of like the best and like uh, no joke like our entire grade like when we were in grade 12 (laughs) we literally all went on a field trip to see it like i don't know if you guys remember i was not there for that i remember yeah, but because as a joke, I suggested it to, like, our physics teacher as a joke, and then he was like, yeah, let's do it. And then 
And then, like, somehow it got opened up to our entire grade, so there'd be enough students to, like, subsidize the cost of whatever fucking bus, I guess. So, to prove the worth of the field trip. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, our whole grade goes to see it. Everyone loves it. We're all like, yeah, this is an amazing movie. But, yeah, for some reason, the the critical consensus... And I, Lee Miss is kind of the same to me. Like, I don't know... As much as I was saying earlier, it's not a movie that necessarily sticks with me. Um, some of the criticism around it seems a little harsh to me. Like what it is it's a really well-made movie so i don't understand why people hate it so much I know. also random but you mentioned hugh jackman and his singing do you guys know that hugh jackman just went on a tour like last year or yep. two years ago just yeah. to sing songs from like musicals and movies he's been in well the I thing find is that so funny <laughs> like hugh jackman is like a like musical dude like he was like doing musicals and stage plays and all that kind of stuff like his whole career literally up until like well he, like he happened to have his big break from wolverine but that's like the least hugh jackman thing like that's not at yeah. all the type of stuff he was doing before and like even after like since he's been done doing wolverine like he did like obviously like carol said a tour he also <laughs> starred in the greatest showman so like clearly this is the kind of stuff that he likes to do so it's just kind of funny to me that the thing he's most known for is Wolverine, because that's not <laughs> that's not him whatsoever. He's got great acting range, though. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. I love him. I just rewatched Logan, and uh, maybe we'll do an episode on that someday. But that is a good, movie. such a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of want to open up to like talking about our favorite characters. Although Marco, I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> I don't know. If you're just going to talk about Javert this whole time, <laughs> no, um, no, 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 but um i'm joking but like do you know you said you've only seen the movie once right uh once and then like i rewatched it again recently for this podcast oh okay you did do a recent yeah rewatch. okay he's a dedicated host come on dan you gotta do what you gotta <laughs> do. no I, I i must have misheard him but um... sorry yeah i i watched it once in whatever grade 11 probably with carolina and then i rewatched it i have no track i have no sense of time anymore but sometime i think last week <laughs> okay cool um, so yeah, I guess I'll ask, I want to know, like, what characters you guys gravitate towards the most. As, like, cliche as it, as it is, because he's the protagonist, I really love Hugh Jackman in this, and I love the whole, all the plot elements surrounding him, uh, because to me, like, coming, coming to this now in 2021, a lot of the, the theming of that still seemed really interesting, um, and yeah, that, that to me is always the thing that, like, makes me really... I guess the most engaged because it's just the most dynamic I guess in a way um yeah I like I like Hugh Jackman in this and his character I can't remember his character's name because again this movie does not Jean Valjean sorry Jean Valjean yeah that's right how did I not (laughs) yes because he has that awesome freaking rap battle with Javert at the beginning of the movie (laughs) Um, also I gotta give a shout out to Javert because he is just because you are Javert because I am Javert because that's one of my favorite memes and I just love I love when I'm watching something and I have no context that they're about to cut that in and then someone cuts that into what I'm watching and it's just it's the best for context now you might want to explain what you what moment you're talking about oh like right at the beginning of the movie like Hugh Jackman and uh Russell Crowe are sing fighting and it's like I can't remember the exact context. It's like, because Hugh Jackman's about to go on parole, right? That's what's happening during yeah. that scene? Yeah. yeah, Hugh Jackman's about to go on parole, and so they're, like, sing-fighting, and 
like Hugh Jackman like says his name at some point during the sing fighting and then <laughs> Russell Crowe just replies with I'm Javert but it's just like really badly sung and it's very <laughs> funny and it's become a meme and you can find compilations on YouTube of like some character in a movie or something saying like oh I'm you know Bill and then they'll just like cut to him saying I'm Javert maybe we can insert that here in the edit Dan just give people a taste of what I'm talking about five years for what you did the rest because you tried to run Yes, two, four, six, oh, one. My name is Jean Valjean. And I'm Javert. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know why it's a meme, but it's really funny and it's very endearing because I, I guess it's kind of like what Carol said with Pierce Brosnan in Mamma Mia. Like, you just, you look over the bad singing. He just tried you just, so hard. He tried so hard and like, he's really acting. Like, he's not yeah. phoning it in. Like, he's really fucking trying in this movie and so i just kind of look over the singing and you just you learn to enjoy russell crowe and his performance yeah it's like it's like it's all relative every movie has a worse performance absolutely and i feel like that's amplified in a musical because there's so much it's more demanding so correct russell crowe is just unfortunately that worst performance relatively yeah, yeah it's not you his know what fault like? the rest of the cast was so good that's the thing yeah <laughs> you know what it's like because, I mean, I was raised, like, I grew up in a Catholic family, so mm-hmm. I have direct experience from this, but, like, know you know... I exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> I don't. Uh, like, I was raised Catholic, too, and I have no idea what he's going to say. I think I know. Keep going, Dan. So, like, when you go to church and there's a choir, and it's like, the oh. people singing aren't, like, horrible, yeah. but they're good enough for a church choir, yep. you know? Yep. That's exactly what Russell Crowe's performance is. Like, it's not bad. It's not, like, painful to listen to. Good for a it's church It's just sort choir. of there. That would be I another good quote. I thought you were going to say, like, when the priest sings. <laughs> oh, I guess that's, yeah, that's also a, that's a fair comparison as yeah. well. Because they got to do it, but, you know, sometimes they just weren't blessed with that voice. Mm-hmm. They try really hard, though. Yep, as long as they, they do try. try hard. So, Carol? Yeah, okay. Before we go to um, my, sorry, list of favorite characters, I just want to go back to like Jean Valjean and Javert's relationship real quick why (laughs) does he hate him so much like this man was in prison for 19 years for stealing a loaf of bread and Javert regards him as if he like killed a million people you know what I mean okay and I tried to read the book and I still don't get it I only got like 100 pages in but still I but this is like part of the reason why I love them so much because (laughs) On the one hand, I have two answers to this. One is ridiculous, and one may actually have, like, weight. So, on the <laughs> one hand, I love the idea that for some reason they're, like, comic book, like, arch nemesis with each other for no apparent reason. Like, I like that they're, like, Batman and the Joker for some reason. You know what I mean? Where it's just, like, they're destined to fight each other, and it's like, okay, why? Like, he's just some random fucking prisoner. Like, um... So Maybe I their like mother that. has the same name. I know that's not Batman Joker, but wouldn't that be fun? Oh my god, that would be hilarious <laughs> if their mother had the same And it was Martha. <laughs> that would make me so happy. It would make Zack Snyder so happy, too. Um, no, but I guess, and then on the other hand, and to what I was talking about, about why I find like Jean Valjean's story so interesting, is the fact that I, like all he did was like steal a piece of bread so he wouldn't starve. You know what I mean? Like It's not like and like that theme in and of itself of okay so like look at this guy who's being so unfairly punished for something and 
you know, with all the shit going on in the world and uh, lots of bad stuff that we don't have to get very much into, but I just like the theme of that. And you're right, it is ridiculous that, like, he is, like, Javert is so fucking heated about this one thing, but also it kind of, in a way, like, thematically I get what they're going for there, and it makes Mm -hmm. it kind of interesting to me, even though there's, like, a, a twinge of silliness to it, because there is a little bit of, like, comic book mayhem of, like, these two villains. Also, it's kind of like Aladdin a little bit, and I really love Aladdin. Aladdin's my favorite Disney musical, you know, because he's a street rat, and <laughs> but he's got a heart of gold. Oh Jean Valjean has a heart of gold. <laughs> also, biggest glow up ever, from convict who can't get a job to the mayor of a town. Yep. Gotta respect that. Don't yeah, know how that, he did it, but you gotta respect that it. That silver went a long way. <laughs> I agree. Like, it is definitely outlandish, um, but... Javert represents like the whole movie is Jean Valjean's obstacle. You remember the throwback to the mother episode we talked about Aaron Sorkin's like character <laughs> and obstacle <Yeah>. theorem. <laughs> um, yep. And the whole movie yeah. is yep. like it's obstacle on top of obstacle. That's the whole point. And Javert sort of epitomizes that. Well, also, it, but it's not like mother where it's like it's all metaphorical. Like he has legal reason like he's a policeman so he's gonna be chasing a convict yeah and like it's not just like he has a hate for jean valjean just because he he did break parole so he's just sort of like he's after him because of that but just uh i guess the reason that it's javert and not any other police officer also javert just sort of magically happens to be in the city that jean valjean's in (laughs) in each of the three yeah sections of the movie which is like yeah that's the biggest coincidence per se of the movie um and i'm I'm okay with that like the other justifications are enough for me that i'm fine with that happening like for example the coincidence of them being in literally the same city of of this one country for the whole movie well i mean they're all like 10 years apart or whatever by the time he like becomes mayor so in theory it's not like he ran into him a year later, so I guess it is It is still unlikely, but it took them a while to find each other again, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. They could have, after 10 years, they're probably going to run into each other again, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Carol, I, I right. really want to hear your My favorite, favorite characters. characters. Um, I can't pick just one. So, um, I really have to give a shout-out to Gavroche, um, most heartbreaking death. For sure. That's a little kid, in case anyone doesn't know the names. Um, and I just, you know, I love his spirit. He's so rambunctious. He's just in it for the cause. Gotta love him. Um, but for, like, adult characters. Okay, I really can't pick. I'm so sorry. I'm going to talk about two other people. Eponine. No, that's cool. I love just because I'm a sucker for, like, a unrequited love story. You know what mm. I mean? And, yep. like, she was raised by such crazy, insane parents. <laughs> also, like, Sasha Baron Cohen. Love him so much. He's great. I mean, his character is not one of my favorites. I love his performance. I think that might be one of my favorite ones in the whole film, to be honest. Um, he's not one of my favorite characters, but shout out to the to the master of the house scene. I think that is my favorite scene in the whole movie. When they're just stealing everything from all the patrons and uh, mm-hmm. pouring out the Santa <laughs> with a prostitute. You didn't think you'd ever see it, but maybe that's why everyone hated this film. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe that is why. Um, but yeah, okay, so Eponine, because of her unrequited love story, 
Um, and just, you know, I love a singing in the rain moment. But probably my actual, like, favorite character throughout for, like, who who they were and, like, the story and everything is also, like, Fantine because that was just heartbreaking. And because I only read the first hundred pages of the book, I did actually get her whole backstory and, like, how she fell in love with this man and she had, like, a group of four friends and they were all, like, kind of more well-off in society and they, like, promised to, he promised to marry her and literally just left without telling her that he was going to leave and it was really sad and she was pregnant and... Really? And yeah. we, that's so that's what we hear. She refers to that really briefly in yeah. I Dreamed a Dream. Yeah, I that it was worth it to read the book for that, but the rest of it was near impossible. There they talked the about book's the like over two thousand pages. I know. They talked about the Battle of Waterloo for like fifty pages and then I gave up. That's where I stopped. I couldn't. Like it wasn't even any of the characters in the story anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was reading that right before we started recording. It's like apparently the structure of the book includes a lot of just random essays that like he, he lets the reader know this has nothing to do with the story it's just information yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. i can see how that can be hard to to ingest even the parts that related to the story were so dragged out like the priest that ends up like saving jean valjean by like actually saying he stole the stuff they talk about that priest's life for probably 100 pages, 150 pages, just like way too long for every wow. side character. Sounds like a J.R.R. Yeah. Tolkien novel. I was just I tried say so that. hard. I just had to give up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that we like to, to mention him every time. But yeah, so Fantine is my favorite because um, <laughs> she was just a mom doing her best. It wasn't her fault. She gave her daughter to con artists. She couldn't know and then she had to sell her hair and her teeth and become a prostitute and just so heartbreaking. Yeah, she really, um, like, she totally, uh, like, epitomizes the title, I think. She represents the suffering of all of the, the lower class in France at that time. But my favorite characters, well, one is also Eponine. She's great. And I, I like that she's essentially, well, I'll start by saying her parents, the Tenadieus. <laughs> The, the innkeepers <laughs> raised her but also um they were the ones who fantine gave well not gave but yeah like re- she rented a room there for cosette her daughter and cosette and eponine were raised together almost like sisters yeah but they the tenadiers favored their actual daughter a lot more so um after jean valjean like sort of rescues i guess cosette from them and gives her like the life she always deserved you flash forward to Paris in the last act of the film and you have grown up Cosette, grown up Eponine and they're just like perfect foils of each other like Cosette is now this sort of middle to high class person in society and Eponine is still on the streets begging for money so I love how those two characters foil each other really well but my number one favorite character is uh, of course Jean Valjean (laughs) I can't not pick, not pick him because I feel like this is going to sound really weird, but I feel like he is like an early Captain America. Okay. <laughs> See, this fits in with my superhero thing. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. Because he like he's just he's a really early and well-written archetype of the proactive protagonist. Yeah. And raising Cosette becomes his mission like it's not a choice it's mandatory and I, I feel like that connects a lot to protagonists like Steve Rogers or Harry Potter a lot of like modern popular 
proactive protag- protagonist. So I have to. He's a real role model, I find. So he's my number one favorite character. Eponine is number two. And then number three, I would probably say Fantine, largely because of Anne Hathaway's performance, mm-hmm. but also because the character's just written really well. So, next thing I want to ask is, what are your guys' favorite songs mm-hmm. from this movie? So, the two that always come to mind to me, as, like, as cliche as they are, obviously, like, I Dreamed a Dream, because that's, like, the standout song from this movie, I feel like. It probably... Yeah. Anyway, that's great. It, like, ties into Anne Hathaway's performance, which is also fantastic. Um, but as much as I was joking about it earlier, I also really love the, like fake song battle thing between Javert and Jean Valjean at the beginning of the movie just because that reminds me a lot of like Phantom of the Opera for some reason like just like argumentative singing so I like got fun that's like fun that's like my fun song where I'm like oh that's fun like I get fun vibes from that and then I think Anne Hathaway's song is probably the best song in the movie just like the whole thing like not just the song but the performance and the way it's shot and like everything put together wraps around into that one scene which i think is like like if you're going to show someone a scene from this movie it's like this this is the quality that you're going to get from this movie it was one take too yeah really crazy do you want me to go next carol yeah i'm still looking i need to decide i don't want to list like 10 like with the characters but i might have to (laughs) (laughs) okay that's fair my favorite song is probably do you hear the people sing Ooh, Uh, that's another there's a couple There's a couple versions, but specifically the version right before the uh, the rebellion. It's General Lamarck's funeral procession, uh, procession, mm-hmm. and they're like amping all the people up. That's just an epic um, scene. Like, That's so cool. It's yeah. great. Yeah. So there's that one. Obviously, I have to mention I Dreamed a Dream as well because it's just like that's the that's like the the flagship yeah. track of the movie. I feel like hundred percent. Even like before I knew what this movie or book or theater performance before I knew what Les Mis was, like, I knew what that song was. Um, so it sort of stands alone. Um, and then my third is probably uh, One Day More, which is actually right before Do You Hear the People Sing? It's, like, the night before the rebellion. It's a perfect, like, montage song. Pretty much all of the characters in the movie participate in it, and it's just, it feels so grandiose. And furthermore, On My Own by Eponine, which is the uh, aforementioned singing in the rain scene <laughs> song. Yes. Which is also a great song. Perfectly leads into One Day More. So you have On My Own, One Day More, and Do You Hear the People Sing, like, continuously nonstop. That is a great sequence. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think I have decided. I think my favorite song overall um, is... Where is it in my list? Hello? Uh, a Heart Full of Love. It's when... Um, Cosette and uh, Eddie Redmayne um, meet Marius. each other. Yeah, Marius <laughs> um, actually like find each other because I am just such a sucker for like first of all harmonies and then second of all when you have like two people singing different parts of the song and different yeah. lines when Eponine gets in there and is singing her little riff in the background. Just I was like in some musicals and I just love musicals so much and that just make my makes my heart feel so good. I love to hear it. So that's probably my does favorite. Does it make your heart full of love? It does. <laughs> As the title of the song says. Good one, Dan. Um, but yeah, that's definitely my favorite. Um, but as I mentioned before, because of how fun the scene is, definitely the the song in the pub that I lost again. This list is not well structured. 
but yeah. you know what I mean. The the master of the house song is mm. also really great. The scene Classic. and the song. Yeah, the master of the house scene and just those characters in general, I think, are very necessary for um, like comic relief, given how depressing almost all of the rest of the film is. Yeah. yeah. It almost feels like very Shakespearean to have like this family be so obviously the comic relief. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love how that feels. Um, and also, as you mentioned before, the foiling of like Cosette and Eponine, it's kind of interesting to see like the, like I guess the master of the house scene was their peak of luxury and when they were probably at their richest and considered like the height of their lives, then contrasted later on with like Cosette being the daughter of, I guess, an ex-mayor, but I guess he wasn't known as that anymore, but in like set, like carriages and nice clothes and full homes so yeah that was also interesting for that reason um i also want to give a an honorable mention shout out to i can't remember the name of the song but it's i think it might be called the colors of war but it's the red and black song yeah it's abc cafe slash red and black is the title that's right that's Mm -hmm. the one yeah i like that one a lot uh so i'll say that as an honorable mention even though i didn't know the title of the song (laughs) that's okay (laughs) Also, um, also, also, <laughs> the song that you were referring to, Marco, yeah. with Javert and Valjean is called Look Down. Yeah, the rap battle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That whole scene Look when down. they're dragging the boat in yeah. was so cool to see in theaters. I like, I just want to see how they filmed that. It is dope. I love that. I know it's like right at the start, but it is... It's what dope. a way it's to so start good. a movie. Well, especially yeah, like the beginning of the song is so grandiose. Yeah. And then you see the set and the, oh, it's so good. It just, mm-hmm. you you know it's a good movie in the first five seconds. And I love, um, I really do love the historical aspects. Like I wasn't really too into history before I first watched this movie. And this movie along with like, you know, not just this movie along with other events in my life made me sort of, like it piqued my interest in history a little bit and i'm actually learning a lot about uh the french revolution in university right now just as an elective so that's fun but i like that it's uh partly historical it is of course like it's a fictitious work um but the the backdrop of the french revolution is very interesting i found yeah um and even like the uh the rebellion at general lamarck's funeral procession I'm pretty sure that was an actual historical event. Yeah, because General um, Lamarck was a real person, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I okay. think so. <laughs> it reminds me a lot... I'm so sorry. It reminds me a lot of the Assassin's Creed video games, because it's like... <laughs> like, because there, there is actual history there, but then, like, your fake like story and stuff is happening yeah. within the actual history. So, yeah, it's cool. I like that kind of stuff, where it's like, oh, we're not actually, like like necessarily rewriting what happened but it's more like you were here and people didn't really realize it and yeah i like that kind of stuff it's fun yeah i know what you mean it's like here's a look into history but here's what other people were doing that like was taking place while this actual historical figure was like doing something yeah it's fun it's a cool concept i like when things can like pull that off well and i i know you saw the assassin's creed movie i never did i couldn't make it to that one either i'll say i couldn't make it that that was not a high school field trip though (laughs) That could have been, that should have been the first truly amazing video game movie. There's no reason it, it didn't, all you had to do was adapt 
Assassin's Creed 2, and they couldn't do it. It like w- if we ever do a podcast on it, I have so many thoughts. Are we but, like, going to? Maybe I'll do one with Angela. Maybe I, I need <laughs> I need like somewhere to. He hates the movie, but he okay. likes Assassin's Creed. Like so, I feel like him and I would like you know. Maybe we'll make Dan watch it too because I don't think Dan's seen it, and then we can do it. I again. haven't seen it. Okay, I'd watch it for the for the podcast. Yeah, so. I bought it for him on Blu-ray as a Christmas present. Nice. Because I needed to spend like twenty bucks, and that was twenty bucks, and I was like, ha, 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 "You hate this movie? I'm gonna get it for you." So we have a copy. Watch it, yeah. Yeah. You've hyped up Angelo so many times on this podcast. They're just like the audience is screaming for you to bring him in already. None of you guys are ready. I'll be honest. When we have that, when we do our James Bond four hour long episode, because all I'm gonna do, by the way, is just pull up that list that we made when we were watching the movies, and we'll just go through one by one and talk about why they're ranked where they are and what's happening. But um, yeah, it'll be a fun time. You ranked all the films. Well, here's the thing. For those of you who don't know. I accidentally started this thing in high school where, as an excuse to get together with friends over, like, a weekend, we would do, like, movie marathons. So it started with Angela and I, where we were, like, talking about Planet of the Apes for some reason, and he had only seen, like, two of them, and I had only seen the new ones, and I was like, hey, let's watch, like, at the time, I think there were seven. So I was like, let's watch all seven Planet of the Apes in one weekend from start to finish. And he was like, okay, so we did that. And then we slowly kept doing other franchises... And then one Christmas, I got a box set of all the James Bond movies. And so I was like, now we got to do James Bond. And then Angela was like, the only way we're doing this <laughs> is if we actually, like, document going through, like, our thoughts on each movie and, like, how we would rank them. And I was like, okay, oh, that wow. sounds like fun. That gives us a reason to do it other than... Because about halfway through, you want to kill yourself. I'll be honest. Like, Because how many movies are at there? At least you're doing it for science. There's like... Yeah, I am doing like it for 30? science. There's like... No, there's like 24 Close enough. <laughs> and uh, there are maybe three good ones, maybe. Ooh. Like, and two of the good ones are the two Daniel Craig ones that just came out. So, like, there's like one or maybe two good ones pre two thousand five, uh, and the rest are almost unwatchable. So, Yikes. yeah, that was our experience with James Bond. <laughs> Were any of the other good ones Sean Connery ones? Uh. Like, here's the thing. <laughs> yes, but also still nowhere near as good. But yeah, there are like some decent Sean Connery ones. But um, there's also some weird stuff in those ones because they are in the 60s. Mm. So there's one where he turns himself Asian as part oh, of the God. plot. He has to Sorry. pretend to be Asian to infiltrate some kind of kung fu thing. It's very vague and racist. The whole thing is very bad. Um, and then there's another one, Gold Goldfinger, which is like the quintessential. Everyone is like, oh yeah, James Bond. And the first half of it is, I was like, cool. So this is like the first good James Bond movie. And then, uh, spoiler alert, but the ending of the movie is just that he has sex with a lady who doesn't really want to have sex with him, but then the sex is really good, so she joins his team and <laughs> helps save the day. Jesus like, that is literally the ending of that movie. <laughs> So oh anyway, God. this has been a tangent. I will get into this with Angelo on the spot because, and then there's like, ugh, there's so much to talk about. There's so much to unpack here. Like, I feel like I, it was a fever dream watching those movies. But um, yeah. I feel like this is kind of the therapy part for you. We haven't figured out why you can't remember Les Mis, but. 
<laughs> it's because I have 24 James Bond movies stuck in my head, and they're all really bad. <laughs> None of them are great. That franchise, like, sorry, I know we're just talking about James Bond now, but but that franchise should not have made it to 24 movies. I Like, somewhere in the middle, there's, like, seven or eight awful movies back-to-back. And I'm like, how did this keep going like how did not like how did one of them not lose enough money to where they were like we're not doing this anymore like i i just i don't understand i don't understand how the franchise continues to exist also are there actually that many ian fleming novels that they're no. based on okay no, I was gonna no say. they ran out of novels and also the ones that are based on novels they just took the name the plots don't match at all oh. yeah what? so they just took the character Okay, yeah. anyway, yeah, well, this is not the James Bond episode. Well, here's the thing. But, the, there is continuity between the character of James Bond. So, like, Casino Royale, which was the first Daniel Craig movie, yeah. is the first James Bond novel. And, like, that movie is the most faithful to any James Bond novel. And, like, if you watch that movie, and, by the way, it's, like, one of the two best ones. It actually yeah. probably is my favorite. Um, like, what happens in that movie is basically James Bond's origin story and, like, why he's such an asshole and, like, a womanist because, like, a womanist? That's not a word. You know <laughs> what I mean. Womanizer? Oh, my God. I, guys, when I tell you I'm exhausted, but you know what I'm talking about. He is a terrible... Like, it explains why he's a terrible human being, okay? But they didn't make that movie until 20 movies in because the movies have no sense of continuity whatsoever. They're all just individual stories, so... So what you're saying is it's the first James Bond movie to implement character arcs yes. and actual proper story. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It, it, and by the way, quickly goes off the rails. Quickly. Because Quantum of Solace, not good. Oh, yeah. Skyfall is very solid, but is based on nothing and is basically just a standalone story. Spectre, not great. And Spectre, like, tried to set up, like, a cinematic universe. Yeah, fuck, man. Sort of thing. Fucking- like, everything is a cinematic universe now. Dan, I know Dan and I have talked about this, but there's, like, like, oh, my God. Listen, we'll get back to Les Mis, but I just need to say, I need to vent for a second, because Disney... It's okay, go Over the it. break, while we were all enjoying our Christmases, or I was at work, okay? <laughs> Disney did their, like, shareholder meeting, and they announced, like, ten different MCU things. Now, here's the thing. MCU, I get it. The ball's rolling. They got some movies, some TV shows. It's one big story. That's very comic booky in general. That's how comic books operate. They're bringing comic books to the big screen. Cool. I don't got a problem with that. But then they announced like 10, like I'm not even joking, like 8 to 10 different fucking Star Wars shows. And I was like, guys, Star Wars, it's time to die. It is, <laughs> we did it. It's it's long been time. It's long been time. We tried with the prequels. We got some good memes out of that. Like, granted, some really fantastic memes. I am happy those movies exist at the end of the day. Then they made the sequels, and, like, they started pretty solid and slowly devolved into... What's what's happening here? Why? What's this story about? Who are the main characters? What are the themes? Um, and now we're just going to get a spinoff about every Star Wars character ever in a TV show. Like, name a Star Wars character. they money. Yeah. And that's the goal. And fucking, and by the way, I'm gonna spoil The Mandalorian. I don't think any of us watch The Mandalorian, but like, no. Like, Mandalorian, like Luke Skywalker, young Luke Skywalker shows up at the end of Mandalorian season two. Yeah, I, I already had that spoil. Yeah, for and me. it's like, and, like, and I, now every Star Wars believe. fan is like, oh, yeah, Star Wars. And I'm like, oh my God, like, shut up. Anyway, let's talk about Lee Miz. I can't, <laughs> I'll just be too sad if we keep talking about all this other crap. <laughs> let's talk about something happier like Lee yeah, Miz. Let's talk about. <laughs> 
<laughs> one of the most depressing musicals. <laughs> so, is there, like, what would you guys, if you had the power, what would you guys change about this historical novel? Are you asking the novel or the movie that we watched? Because the novel had changed uh, a lot. <laughs> I mean, sorry, like, I know none of us actually the read the novel. Like, the story. Yeah, yeah. The story, yeah. And I know that's a loaded question. It is a that loaded the question point. that yeah, you didn't prepare us for. <laughs> nope. This should be a new thing, though, that we should do, where we talk about how we would change movies. That's basically all I do anyway, but we should do that. It's fun. Um, well, yeah, we already we did that for the mother episode, yeah. and now yeah. we should do it also, for Also, we're episode. taking, I know in this very original podcast, we're taking another very original idea. Sorry, I'm laughing. We're doing a video call. And Marco just hit <laughs> Yeah, you I just smashed my hand. Oh my god, I just smashed my hand off the table. I don't even know how that happened. I just haven't podcasted in so long. I guess my energy is just through the roof, and I am in serious pain. Um, I wish I would have seen that. I didn't have the window. Oh, damn, it was painful. Um, it's okay. I'll be fine. Okay, what would I change about Lamez? One, I understand that Jean Valjean is strong. That's his whole thing. He's super strong. That's how Javert recognizes him later. But I just think it's a tad too unrealistic to have this man who's been imprisoned as a slave for 19 years, obviously starving. He has no meat on his bones and he's able to lift a flag like off the mast of a ship like that thing that must weigh. I don't know how many (laughs) pounds, way too many for one man to lift, let alone a man who's been starved for 19 years. I don't care how strong he is unless he has superpowers. That's not happening. That is one thing I would change. That's Show me he's strong fair. in some other way. <laughs> so I have two suggestions. One, we're already 90% of the way there. Let's just make Jean Valjean a superhero. You know what I mean? <laughs> like literally everything else about him is that he's a superhero. Add just, it to the MCU. <laughs> oh my God. Just add it. Javert can be like the next big bad. You know what I mean? We can build up to him like we built up to Thanos. Like <laughs> I'm totally fine with all of that. That would be fantastic. No. Um, what would I change? So... It's hard because the story is so, like, intrinsically everything is connected, like, to each other. But I think something Dan and I were talking about recently off-air, just in our own private life, talking about movies and TV shows, is how much we love a time jump in between, like, movies or ends of TV seasons. Mm. Um, And, like, how effective that can be in terms of, like, ending something and then jumping forward a certain amount of time and like having that contrast and seeing how things have changed and because this movie like crosses like pretty big periods of time and because it is kind of a longer heavier thing i actually think this movie may benefit from not being one singular story but being a story that then like has time jumps instead and like restructure it that way just and that's purely from the perspective of like i was talking about this not being something that i constantly feel the need to come back to i feel like if it was maybe done in parts instead of one big hole i don't know something about that i think may like a tv show yeah like a tv if you want to do like a longer tv show and have time jumps in between um something like that i think might work well for the structure that they're going for and then you also get that cool effect that you and i were talking about of like ending one place and then starting someplace else and you have to kind of like play catch up a little bit that can be fun like that kind of structure of things so if i had to change something it would be that because it's it's too hard to say like okay like i would remove this plot 
from the movie because like as it's like jenga you know what i mean once you start taking some shit out it's like oh my god this is all gonna collapse in on itself (laughs) um so i feel like instead of doing that you actually like if you go the opposite way and just extend it and have it be split up in different parts but still have everything that's there be there i think that could be an interesting way to tell the story yeah i was also gonna say any other things i would change would be to make it less sad but then that defeats the purpose so that's the thing (laughs) one thing you could change while still keeping it just as sad is that i feel like the supervisor in the factory that fontaine worked in should have been fired and or killed ideally Mm. both because i hate him (laughs) (laughs) he ruined her life for no reason just because she was flirting with him i mean not even she just wouldn't sleep with him and we hate those kinds of men yeah, we do. So that's another thing I would change. My So I, my answer was going to be, well, I'll just say I, this isn't my answer anymore just because, like, I realized historically this would not be, like, it wouldn't have happened. But I was going to say if Jean Valjean was a female character. Mm. But then I realized, like, a ma- I don't think a female mayor, that would have ever been a thing yeah just because like it was the 1800s and it was not nearly as progressive as today yeah um that would be cool but i don't so like thinking about it more that probably yeah. wouldn't i was just uh, to jump to piggyback off that because this is an interesting topic in general which is like obviously nowadays like people studios or at least should be paying more attention to diversity of casting and roles and that kind of stuff it's always tricky with like you're talking about historical stuff because then it gets to a point where it's like okay so like even so a perfect example of this right um and you already brought him up this episode so dan so you can't but i'm gonna talk about trial of the chicago seven really quickly oh i was gonna say something about that after (laughs) okay so because one of the things with that right is you watch that movie and it's like okay so this is a movie about seven guys pretty much exclusively there's like two female characters and one of them is almost abused in like a riot scene and the other one is just like a joke secretary character and then of those guys one of them is black and the black guy gets written out halfway through the movie now that's not because i think anyone involved especially sorkin is like sexist or racist or anything but it's like okay so you're telling this historical piece of fiction and like in this historical thing the black guy did like leave the trial halfway through and none of these people were women so like what do you do in that regard now i'm gonna piggyback off that to something else total non sequitur here is my uh lovely girlfriend madison made me watch bridgerton with her have you guys heard of the show bridgerton of course it's next on my watch list after schitt's creek it is Oh, you're watching Shits, Shits Creek is awesome. Yeah, every Creek. single episode makes me cry. I'm having a great time. It, they're so good. Shits <laughs> Creek, ten out of ten. We should do it, Dan. If you ever watch Shits Creek, we should do a podcast episode on it's it. It's really, really nice. Okay. It's wholesome. It'll make you feel good. It is. It's so wholesome. Anyway, uh, Bridgerton is this show that I'm sure you've seen from Netflix. Takes place in the way back when. I don't know exactly what time period. 1800s, um, probably. Yeah, but one of the interesting things that the show does, and it's based on a novel, and I guess the novel does this, is. For whatever reason, like, randomly, whoever was king at that time, King Henry the whatever, or King George the whatever, I don't know, <laughs> ends up, like, marrying a black woman. So, like, even though you're, you're set in this historical time period, like, there's lots of black people in, like, positions of power who are, like, really affluent. And so it's weird, because it's, like, it's, his, it's a historical thing that take, takes place in the past, 
but they've specifically made a choice of this is how we're going to fictionalize it. Like um, Hamilton. <laughs> like Hamilton. Perfect example. I picked a really trashy Netflix show and you picked <laughs> Hamilton, which is a musical and definitely way more on topic for this conversation. Yes. So, but to your point, like Dan, what we're talking about here is I guess it just depends how far you want to go. So, like, Trial of the Chicago 7 is very much, like, as much as possible a representation of what happened. Because this is more fictionalized from start to finish and the kind of interweaves between history, I feel like if you wanted to fictionalize it in a way where maybe Jean Valjean is a female character who, like, rises to power, you could do that. Um, I don't think, like... But if you did that, I'm sure people would be annoying. People would be like that's not possible but it's like well but we're doing a fictionalized thing here it's like bridgerton yeah. well there's always and gonna be hamilton people. so i guess it just you just have to like draw Bridgerton's more important yeah i mean i think it just comes down to like drawing your line in the sand about like how historical you want to be like is this mainly a historical piece or is it like a yeah. fictional piece that's set like historically so i I, yeah. I could see it going either way it just would depend on the the direction of what they're trying to do and it's tough too because this specifically is a very historical leaning film already. Yeah. Um, but I do think that is a really like I'm really interested in that idea, especially with the relationship between Jean Valjean and Cosette. Like, imagine that being a mother daughter relationship and like taking over. Like, she's now she's replacing Fantine directly. You know, like as the mother role in her life. I think that right. could be really cool and. Another thing, like, just more generally that I would change is, I guess, just, like, we could, we definitely could have used another female role in general. Um, It was better than, I got flashbacks to our discussion of Lord of the Rings, where there was, like, some very trivial female roles in those movies. But we still love those movies. Like, they're they're not, (laughs) the absence of them doesn't make them bad, but... And we have, like, Fantine and Eponine in this movie, and they're great, but... And a whole um, wall of prostitutes. The wall of That's prostitutes. true. There's an entire <laughs> matrix of prostitutes. Yeah. yeah, so another well, I mean even like a few more female female roles for sure. And then also um we could have made one of these roles non-white. Yeah. And again, like if we're going to be fictionalizing within history, then go ahead and take the liberty to do it anyway. You know what I mean? Like if you're not trying to portray something exactly as how it happened, then go for it. Yeah. Um I think to your point though like you were saying like with Lord of the Rings like we still like those movies and I've been thinking about this a lot recently just because this is always a topic of conversation across literally fucking everything anytime something anytime casting gets announced someone is upset for whatever reason you know what I mean either it's not diverse enough or it is diverse and then white people get upset because you know white people you know how they are I was gonna say how we are but I don't think we count in that group of that type of person that would like cry about yeah about fucking that iris west yeah. from the fu- yeah i guess my, my point though was gonna be i think you can kind of tell sometimes like when it gets when it really stands out and is frustrating is when the lack of diversity is either like deliberate or um like just the the execution of what's there is like so shit that you're like like why the why were these people even in it you know what i mean whereas i think it's sometimes it's easier when you look at something that's really well made or that's based on a like a famous book or whatever and to kind of be like okay like i understand that yeah 
you know, it could have been more diverse, but at the end of the day, like, this is going off of this is vision, and this is vision is really strong, and whatever, whatever, and it's not done in a malicious way, and you can always tell when it's not done in a malicious way, I feel like, because if you look at the small amounts of diversity and casting around that, and, like, how that's handled, so, like, again, like, to go back to Sorkin as an example, where, like, the West Wing has mostly guy characters, but then the female characters on the West Wing are, like, really good female characters, and are, like, like stand toe-to-toe with all the guy characters and are like well written so that never feels malicious it's like okay i get it you're doing a show in the white house in the 90s there weren't a lot of females in these types of positions but the ones you gave us like were good characters um yeah so uh, to me you can always kind of tell what what's malicious versus what's just you know trying to go with a certain vision i guess well that's the thing Yeah, yeah it's like it's easy to because in reality obviously we live in a very diverse world so if it's a place just set in like x town especially if it's modern and it's all white people then it's like okay you're just exactly racist yeah but if yeah if it is something set in a certain period and they're trying to be super historically accurate in every other part like i understand obviously it still sucks yeah but like there's a vision you're trying to execute that was the history it's not a history that they're saying they're proud of but like that mm-hmm. makes more sense yeah i totally yeah. understand that's the other thing too is like okay so like when you're doing this like if even if something is a piece of history it's like well are you glorifying the whiteness of it yeah or is the whiteness like either a problem or is it something that's just kind of there and it doesn't really affect the story like that's kind of like what i always felt about west wing was that yeah there was like a lack of female characters but that was sometimes even the point you know what i mean because the mm-hmm. female characters that were there kind of like helped to show that it was a like a boys club and like politics shouldn't be that way so like sometimes like it, you can take those kind of historical things and then turn it around on their head to be an like advantage to show that like hey this was wrong things shouldn't have been this way um going forward so yeah it's all it all comes down to execution but i know what you're saying dan obviously in this movie to, br- to bring it back to the topic <laughs> at hand here yeah i think this movie and I do think, honestly, like, let's say they were going to remake it now in 2021, I have a feeling they would take more liberties with the casting and try and diverse it up a little bit. Or even, like, a modern adaptation. That would be cool. That was something, I was kicking around that idea, too. Like, what if you took the basic idea of it, the basic narrative, but did it in a modern way? And then, Because, like, yeah, because this story is, like, it's really timely. Yeah, still. 100%. Yeah. I, I actually have a note um, where I was like, it feels very weird to watch this today, especially, like in the context of the revolution seeing the ultra rich in their carriages with the ultra poor and i'm like yeah. hmm, are we going to get here soon <laughs> well, i i know it, and i'm already I, miserable so i'm halfway there <laughs> yeah it, there's been a lot of that stuff there's been a lot of stuff that's come out this year where i've gone oh this is really sad because this is like a historical thing but also this is just like how life is right now god yeah. damn it like i can't believe that yeah that we have not progressed. like chicago 7 is another 100 yes. like chicago 7 where it's just like ah speaking of chicago 7 yes. why does eddie redmayne always play the privileged <laughs> white like quote unquote radical he's always the richest cleanest most book abiding dude but <laughs> that's true he still wants to like overthrow the government but just by like working with the government and like in this one he has his rich grandpa but he still is like eat the rich like I, how that's does he get typecast like that yeah that's also his like technically that's, <laughs> that's kind what of what he was in chicago 7 yeah and that's also kind of what newt's commander is in the fantastic beast movies a little bit like 
I don't remember oh, anything about this. Well, I mean, when we talk about listen, those <laughs> movies just shit on the legacy of Harry Potter. Like J.K. Rowling just took a shit on it with those movies. I but I've only seen the first one. I didn't even see the second one, but the first one, he is this like bumbling like try to be good and work within the system guy but also like oh there's stuff going wrong in the system so we have to fight back but also like nah i can't fight back too much because i am working within the system so yeah he kind of is always that i wonder if he relates to that character maybe he is can i talk about eddie redmayne for a second why is he so much it's on topic (laughs) at all times he is always like like uh, and i listen i like him i like seeing him and stuff i think he's a good actor but man, he acts when he acts. You know what I mean? Like there is nothing left. Like he is always ten thousand percent committed. Um, yeah, it's, it's I just just something I've noticed about Eddie Redmayne. He's a professional. He is a very professional. He's an actor um, with an I just, accent. Yes, Fancy he kind. Is. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to harken back to what something that Marco said about um, like we were talking about inclusion and diversity because another thing to think about is like pandering right yeah Mm -hmm. and this sort of i want to hearken that back to when we were talking about the star wars sequel trilogy (laughs) because the first movie force awakens comes out and it stars a woman and also it co-stars a uh african-american or sorry african english uh man yeah and it's like awesome that's that's great i'm really excited for this but then by the time rise of skywalker comes it's like (laughs) oh, these are completely meaningless. Like, this is totally just pandering. Yeah. And that's all this... That's all you ever... Like, it's so lazy, the inclusion of these characters, that it's like they're just throwing them out there to, like, appease people mm-hmm. instead of actually writing meaningful, diverse characters. Yeah. Well, didn't John Boyega even, like, make a whole post about how he felt like he was so. being yes. completely tokenized? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> And like, what did that? What did his character ultimately do for the universe? Well, and that's the thing, right? And like, and I guess this is a larger discussion about Star Wars, but ultimately it was like, so you set up these characters, and I mean, listen, go back if you go back and watch Force Awakens. Like, Force Awakens t- stands on its own as like a really good first movie in a trilogy, where it's like these characters are set up, they're really interesting and unique, and I can't wait to see where they go but they didn't know where they wanted them to go, so they just kind of go nowhere by the end of it. Yeah. And then, like, to your point, Dan, it's like, we, Star Wars could have had, like, a really strong female lead, and then also, yeah, like, John Boyega. Like, it, they had it. Like, they had it. For one movie, they were like, cool, we've set this up. And even people that, like, I remember when the trailer for Force Awakens first came out, fucking, you know the internet. You know what I mean? People were like, what? Like, a black stormtrooper? what why and then yeah but then by the by the time force awakens was like oh and people had seen it i think most people were kind of on board for the characters and then star wars just shit the bed and we're like yeah we don't know we don't know how to write characters anymore now we just write token stereotypes to try and make people feel empowered but it doesn't actually do anything because they're not actually characters that are representative of anything they're just nothing so and i was also thinking what if instead of ever doing a star wars episode we just implement star wars discussion in the <laughs> i think so episode i mean it's like aaron Sorkin. like why would we ever do an aaron sorkin episode he comes up every episode i'll, I'll just get out all my thoughts by the end of it there's no, there's no need um do you guys have any other like random thoughts about the movie i have a very exciting fun fact harry from fleabag and also mamma mia 2 was in this film where who 
Uh, he played one of like the the radicals rebelling oh. in the group with like Marius and the other guy. But okay. yeah, he was just kind of in the background oh, a few okay. times. But I spotted him in his first scene, freaked out, and then noticed him again later in the the red and whatever scene where they That's were all fun. singing. Yeah, red and black. Yeah, red and black. Red and black but you know that black was and yellow. <laughs> fun. Previous episode callback and potentially future episode call call forward. <laughs> call forward. We're calling forward. <laughs> Wait, what's the call forward? Maybe we'll do Mamma Mia one day in our musical episode. Oh, oh. we'll do Mamma Mia one day. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It is Mamma Mia 2, which, like, in theory, probably doesn't need its own discussion. But, you know. Because it's the same possible. movie with the same songs. <laughs> like, there's a handful of new songs. <laughs> they completely mess up the plot, but we'll get there. That'll be my yeah, future we'll rant. We'll do that. We'll do that one day. <laughs> they outlined it so well in the first movie. How did they mess it up? But... Yeah, anyway, I'll rant about yeah. it another day. Okay, Not that today. sounds fair. <laughs> yeah, I guess my, my final parting thoughts, just to kind of summarize my overall feelings. Yeah, I, I think, as we talk about the movie, I think you guys can tell, like, I'm pretty positive about all the aspects of it. Um, I don't know what, if anything, will ever make it not feel like Schindler's List the musical to me. <laughs> um, I, I don't, like, uh, every time I watch it, I have a solid time... But it's not, for me, it's like if I want to watch a musical, it's never the one that I go to. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the future holds. Maybe I need like a few more watches of it or something before it really kind of sinks in and like I, I get past whatever is in my brain. Um, yeah. I also just want to give a shout out because we didn't talk about it at all to Javert's death scene and his <laughs> the suicide. The noise. No. Yeah. Every time I hear that crack, I want to throw up. Yeah. <laughs> It was so. Re- I don't know if it's realistic. I've never heard someone die like I that, either, but I did but not enjoy it. I like how his soliloquy is like a mirror of uh, Valjean's soliloquy, yeah. because that that's like his biggest changing point, turning point. It's like poetry; it rhymes. So, I don't think I mentioned yet, but like this movie is obviously in no way a Christmas movie. Mm. But on my latest rewatch, I rewatched it on Christmas Day. And let me just tell you guys, I'm definitely adding it to my annual mm. Christmas viewing list. Because it just, like, like I said, it's not a Christmas movie. But it possesses those qualities of, like, being down, but then moving up to the triumphant ending. Sort of like, it's a wonderful life-esque. I was I've just going to say it. that. I was literally just going to say, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> and I've never fully seen that movie, yeah. but I know, like, from pop culture a lot about it but um i feel like it possesses the same qualities as that for example and just like a lot of other heartwarming christmas movies um and it felt really good to watch it on christmas day i uh much like the shining is now on my annual halloween Mm. watch list this movie is now on my annual uh holiday season viewing list well i feel like any movie that's released on christmas day like whether it's christmas an actual oh yeah christmas and it was released on christmas yeah day. they have See, to know what they're doing there has to be some so kind clearly of i'm not the only one yeah. who feels this way no right. for sure and also like to bring it back to star wars for whatever reason star wars the force awakens kind of feels like a christmas movie to me because we all went and saw it and it would have been what december like 15 like right before christmas and it was right after exams were done so it that to me 
also has vibes of and for like they it's always playing on tv during the christmas season so like during a regular christmas like not this christmas where i couldn't see anyone but like a regular <laughs> christmas when like family comes over like somehow it always just ends up on tv like someone turns it on and i'll like see half of it and i'm like oh yeah this is a fun good so yeah i get what you're saying about like a christmas movie that's not really a christmas movie but yeah you associate it with it like Die Hard. Like Die Hard. Or Batman Returns. Except not at all. Yeah. I still haven't seen Batman Returns. Well, what? first watch Batman. First watch Batman because Batman... I still haven't seen Batman. Batman is iconic. Not amazing, but Even iconic. I've seen Batman Returns. Batman Returns, not great, but I'll tell you something. I love it. And it is a Christmas movie. <laughs> it takes place during Christmas. There is snow. I love Batman in the snow. Great. <laughs> it's like uh, Arkham Origins, the game. It is. It is like Arkham Origins, but not as good. I... <laughs> I still, <laughs> I still have the Batman collection that you gave me, but I'm I keep debating on like just waiting until we can actually get together to watch it for the first yeah, time. Yeah, I feel like it'll be fun if we can watch it together. So yeah, if anyway, I wanna if you guys have nothing else to, to I have a couple of things. Um, go. Okay, go ahead. So of the Miserables, we're all agreeing that Anne Hathaway was the most miserable. Yes. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. She's the miserable. (laughs) And I did do my usual just, you know, fun research. um, And I just wanted to toss a couple things out, um, as I usually do at the end of an F totally randomly. Um, Mm -hmm. So Anne Hathaway, already a very skinny person, had to lose 25 pounds for this film, Mm -hmm. which seems impossible to me. But Hugh Jackman... And she shaved her head for real? Yeah. And Hugh Jackman had to, like, lose... I don't remember the exact amount. I think he had to lose 15 pounds and then gain 30 back for when he became the mayor, which is also insane to me. Because, yeah. like, wow, I don't think like they gave Christian him a Bale. few months in between to gain it back. You know what I mean? How do you gain that much weight that quickly? <laughs> you just got to do the Christian Bale method. <laughs> you just, <laughs> yeah. you're just be a psychopath and fucking work out. And, yeah, okay. it's crazy. And then I just have one more fact, which I think is my favorite. Um, so the role of Eponine was almost played by Taylor Swift. No. Can you imagine that, Phil? Are you film? serious? Yes. I don't want to. <laughs> so that, that's why she's in Cats then, is because she's owed a role. Oh, God. That yeah, that was my favorite that... fact I discovered. Also, Scarlett Johansson was considered. Leah Michelle, Miley Cyrus, she would have been better and than Evan Taylor Rachel Swift. Wood. Literally yeah. any of those people before Taylor Swift. <laughs> Wow. I'd actually be intrigued to see the Evan Rachel Wood version because she was really good in Across the Universe. I don't know if either yeah. of you have seen that. Did I, I made you watch that, right, Mark? We watched it the same day we watched Les Mis. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm making sure because yeah. it's my favorite musical. So yeah. I just, yeah, that would be fun. So I just want to close on this quote from Victor Hugo that I also got amidst some research. And it goes, So long as there shall exist by reason of law and custom, a social condemnation which in the face of civilization artificially creates hells on earth and complicates a destiny that is divine with human fatality so long as the three problems of the age the degradation of man by poverty the ruin of women by starvation and the dwarfing of childhood by physical and spiritual night are not solved so long as in certain regions social asphyxia shall be possible in other words and from a yet more extended point of view so long as ignorance and misery remain on earth, books like this cannot be useless. And I think that's very timely and important for today. Kinda that sounds hurts. like 
That sounds like a Captain Picard quote from like an episode of Star Trek where he's trying to like. It very well could have been. Jesus. Well, Victor Hugo, you were right, man. <laughs> yep. He is correct. So, guys, thanks for agreeing to talk about this movie. With Thank me. you for suggesting it, Dan. It was a good. I had not seen it in so long that it was uh, it was a good time to go back and see what's up. Yeah, every time I watch it, I, f- I feel new feelings mm. and discover new things. It's really fun. Yeah, I'm so happy that I like reinvigorated my just my opinion on this movie. Yeah. I didn't have an opinion prior to this to last year, and now I have watched it five times in two months. And now it'll and help you study for your for your French history <laughs> test. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, guys, do we want to do our uh, New Year's resolutions to end this episode? Since this is our first episode of the New Year's? Oh. Sure. Um, like our podcast let's resolutions? Let's do our podcast resolutions. <laughs> no, my personal resolutions well, are... <laughs> <laughs> mine was to say totally less, and I realized I already said it a couple times okay, during this perfect, episode. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. Mine was to say like less, and I wasn't keeping track. I think I kind of black out every time I talk, um, yeah. so I've probably said it a hundred times. We'll get them next time. Okay. Mine was to not talk about Aaron Sorkin as much, and <laughs> uh, that did not happen this episode, so we have all failed at our New Year's resolutions, New Year's podcast resolutions. Great. We have all year to get better. Yeah. It can only go up from here. Guys. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, kind of um, we could have really weird internet issues again. So I did, we're, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's only up from here. <laughs> Guys, do we know what we're talking about next? Have we have any idea? I'm not sure. Not a clue. Okay, well then I guess it'll have to just be a surprise for all the listeners because we'll have to figure it out. If you guys have any suggestions, yeah. you can always comment or text one of us personally. Has anyone we probably ever have. given us a suggestion? I've never... <laughs> ever received a text or a comment you gotta keep reinforcing it please if you're listening to this and you know us what do you want us to talk about just tell us because we have a list also there's so much stuff we can talk about but like if there's something you want us to talk about go ahead and also marco still has all those copies of friday the 13th that he's trying to get rid of guys there's more you don't understand because i got the box set but four of the discs were broken so i had to like send them a thing saying the discs were broken so now they're sending me discs which means now i have broken discs of some of the movies that I, i'm never gonna be able to get rid of why don't you throw away the but broken real quick ones? before we wrap this up we need an update on the uh the part three what about part three the like the lens issue. oh no that isn't that is a hundred percent an issue in the blu-ray transfer okay. like I found yeah. a forum online that was talking about it, and they were like, yeah, like, with this newest Blu-ray, like, I guess you probably couldn't see it when it was just on VHS or whatever, but with this Blu-ray transfer, yeah, <laughs> there's, and it was just, like, shit that was on the lens. Because we promised the audience yeah. that they would get the, uh, <laughs> I'm oh, sure they've yeah, all been the waiting on the edge of their seats. I'm sure they've all been on the edge of their seats, yeah. <laughs> couldn't this even enjoy Christmas, Christmas dinner, just thinking yeah. about part three. <laughs> all right, guys, thank you again, and, uh, I'll just, I'll leave the audience with that we will do, um another musical-centered episode in the future to talk about some of the other musicals that we mentioned today. For sure. So hang in there. Stay tuned. (laughs) Stay safe. And Happy New Year. Happy Happy New New Year. Year.